What is good, everybody? Welcome to another Niners Nation Instant Reaction. This is not the Instant Reaction Podcast. Look at that. Force of habit. It's under review with Stats and Vish. I'm Rob Stats Guerrera. Here with me, as always, on a Monday, Vish Kumar. And what's up, Vish? What up, Rob? Four in a row? Four in a row. You and I have sat here on a Monday. You wear your Victory Monday t-shirt. What does it feel like? What does it feel like for you? It feels like success. Fish. It's friggin' awesome, man. I said this on the instant reaction show. It's good. When your team wins on Sunday or Monday, the whole week is good. Unless you get like devastating injury news, everybody's talking good about your team, right? I fire up everybody's podcast when the 49ers win. It's awesome. Oh, oh yeah. hundred percent, hundred percent. I'm, I'm maybe not as bad as I once was like 2019, which was, you know, the first year in a while that they were good. I was searching 49ers on YouTube um, every single day, uh, changing the filter to the latest upload date. And I was watching anything and everything I could consume. Where Even if the video had one minute of a mention of the 49ers, I was watching it. Now, since then, the YouTube game has changed a little bit. Grant posts so many videos in a day that if you search 49ers on YouTube, you're never going to get anything else done in your day if you try to watch every bit of content. But yeah, I just I when they win, I'm ready to consume anything and everything. And when they lose, I, I don't want to go near it. Right. And that's only natural. I get that. Right. You like to hear good stuff. Uh, we want to take your questions, your comments. So please keep them coming. We're going to review everything that happened during the game. And we always remind you, if you take the time to leave a review, we will take the time to read it on the show. Lots to go over, Vish. Where do you want to start with? I think we got to start with the defense, right? Just an incredible performance from D'Amico Ryans and the 49ers. They had to drag this team kicking and screaming to victory, and they have proven once again they're good enough to do it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, what, first time in 20 years that the Saints have been shut out? And, in fact, somebody gave me this stat yesterday, and I, I forgot their name on YouTube. But they are the ones who posted in the comment section to me that actually the last four times the Saints have been shut out have been by the San Francisco 49ers. Yes, which that is, is true. very cool, which is very cool. So, yeah, first time in 20 years. I mean, they did get a little fortunate with the Will Lutz missed field goal. Will Lutz is a pretty good kicker. You're not going to see a lot of those. But besides that, I mean, the goal line play by Talanoa Hufanga, I mentioned on YouTube yesterday, totally different circumstances completely different field, but it felt a little Dante Whitner putting Pierre Thomas to yes. sleep at the goal line-esque. I, 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 I felt a little bit like that watching it. Of course, Nick Bosa, as Nick Bosa always does, big down, big game. Uh, the fourth and goal, he comes through with a great pass rush and gets a sack after, you know, being held for a lot of this game. I mean, I know Nick Bosa gets held in every game, but I felt like <laughs> yesterday was particularly offensive in the holding department. But yeah, just a dominant overall performance. Fred Warner is everywhere. I mean, Fred Warner everywhere, is man. Everywhere. Um, if where the ball is is where Fred Warner is, it's incredible. Um, so yeah, this defense is outstanding, Rob. I thought the secondary played very well. I thought Diamador Lenore got called for a pretty BS pass interference that was resulting in offsetting penalties that you know negated a face mask from the Saints offensive line. I thought he actually did a phenomenal job. I'm going step for step with the lave and then turning around, finding the ball and being very physical with the lave throughout the route. It was a little bit different in terms of how he played the deep ball from last year. If you remember week two 
He started the first two games. He started week two after Jason Verrett got hurt, and Jalen Hurts kind of was going over the top on Diamond or Lenore quite a bit in that football game. So I thought that was a really nice play. I thought he's been playing very well this year, and I thought he played very well yesterday. The pass interference was a little bit of a tough call. But, yeah, overall, wow, what a defensive performance. Every time the Saints got close, bam, the 49ers were there and shut the door. Those turnovers in the red zone were just unbelievable. Hufanga with the play. Bosa, was he offsides? Maybe, probably. I don't know. I know they missed a bunch of calls on him, so whatever. He gets the sack and shuts it down. And this defense is the best defense in the league. It is not close. It is not debatable. It is just simply the best defense in the league. Well, not according to Kyle Shanahan. Yeah, well, that's true. He did mention to the Fox broadcast crew, he thought the Saints defense when healthy was the best in the league, which is hilarious. But uh, Levin Black had a good tweet about the defense, my partner on Thursdays. The Niners lead the league in points allowed with 173. The Cowboys are second with 187. That's a 14-point difference. That's essentially an entire game's worth of points for these defenses. And the same thing in yards. Niners lead in yards allowed with just under 3,100 yards. The Eagles are second with just over 3,300. 249-yard difference is nearly a full game's worth of yards. They're just the best. And I don't care what anybody wants to say about DVOA, EPA, whatever. They are the best. Absolutely. Um, And that's including a game where they played as bad as a defense can play. And that was the Chiefs game, right? Well, I was about a half. They were good in the first half. It was like a 13-10 game at half. Don't forget. I thought it was 21-17. No, it was way lower than that. That's the thing that people, they look back on that game and they're like, oh my God, it was terrible. It was really two bad quarters. At halftime of the game, it was 14-13 Chiefs. Is that really the case? Yeah, what do you think? I'm lying? <laughs> yeah, 14, you're absolutely 13. right. It was 14-13. You're right. Yeah, they've had two bad pull. quarters all year. You're right. You're right. That's a great pull. So they really had one bad half, and that half was as bad as you can play um, yep. as a defense, no matter how good you are in terms of the ranking. So that's where I think it's very impressive that even with that, they have such a comprehensive lead in just about every defensive stat. And the one yeah. thing I do want to mention about this defense, because – I think there's still room for improvement. And the broadcast brought up a really nice stat. And there's one stat they're not very good at. And they got converted on it a couple of times yesterday, and that's third and short. They are the worst third and short defense in the NFL. And I tweeted about this stat because I think it's very important because it does show you where they can grow. That stat to me is a Javon Kinlaw, Eric Armstead stat. Where third and short, you just miss their size. You miss their power, especially Armstead. I mean, Armstead is one of the best football players on this team, so they're missing him in general. But if you don't think that they missed 6'5", 325-pound <laughs> Javon Kinlaw, I don't think that you're really watching what Javon Kinlaw is doing. Like, I understand, you know, everybody wants Javon Kinlaw to be DeForest Buckner 2.0 uh, because of where he was drafted and all of that. But regardless of what you think of him, there's no doubt that he makes a positive impact on the field when he's playing. I understand there's a lot of frustration about where his health is, but they do miss his size and his ability to take on double teams and his just ability to be a difficult guy to move in the run game. And so, yeah, I think that you can see that, you know, as good as they are, they're still missing, you know, a guy who's one of the best defensive tackles in the NFL in Armstead and then a guy who's very gifted in Kinlaw. 100%. 
third and short, most of the time they're going to run up the middle. And those guys are friggin' giants. Not that, I mean, the Niners still have a good defensive line, but yeah, there's a difference there. And like I said yesterday on the instant reacts, like the Niners defense can't be superhuman everywhere all the time. Like, sorry, that is a quote unquote weakness. Although they did say opponents are converting 78% of the time. That is crazy. I'm just looking at the comments, Vish. I am amazed how many people are upset. A lot of anger in the comments about the 49ers offense. And we can take it there because, I mean, what else is there to say about the defense? The offense, not great, right? 13 points, one of three in the red zone. The red zone continues to be an area where this team struggles more often than not. Jimmy Garoppolo did not play a good game. He did not play a good game. He took some hits, but that was pretty much it, really. I don't know how you feel about it, but that's where I come down on Jimmy. Yeah, I I said yesterday that I don't think he played a good game. I don't think he played a bad one either. I think, you know, I was giving him credit for being gritty um, and tough throughout the football game and then not turning the football over which was really the big thing in this game. As long as he didn't do that, they were going to be okay with how the defense was playing. But then at the same time, you know, he also missed a few of the plays that were there there to be had. And the touchdown pass he did throw was a little bit lucky. A um, little bit lucky. A little bit lucky. He throws it and Matthew tips it. D- doesn't intercept it, first of all, because it could have been intercepted. Mm-hmm. Tips it up in the air and then it floats down to Jawan Jennings in the right. back of the end. A lot of bit lucky. Let's right. just call a it lot of bit lucky. A lot of bit lucky. And he stood to his credit on that touchdown throw. He stood tall in a collapsing pocket. But besides that, that, that ball was, you know, a couple yards underthrown. Uh, you know, Tyron Matthew, maybe four or five years ago, probably puts that in his back pocket as an interception. Um, but it resulted in a touchdown. So, you know what? Sometimes you got to get a little lucky. But yeah, I I do think that, you know, overall he played kind of more or less like passable. It was fine, I guess. I mean, that'll that'll get the job done, you know, in games that the defense is playing well. But, you know, he did also miss a couple plays that were there to be had, particularly the Christian McCaffrey one. Yes. The guy is five yards open. <laughs> I want to get to this comment from Zandro96 watching on my Twitch page at Stats on Fire. Please follow me. I just started it. I need followers. The offense wasn't great yesterday, but the circumstances, Mexico, Thanksgiving, first practice on Friday, can give them kind of an excuse, but they have to step up next Sunday. I hope the full week of preparation will get them the W. Well, wait a minute. Why couldn't the defense come out slow? The defense didn't get slowed down by Mexico or Thanksgiving or any of that stuff. There's too many excuses with the 49ers offense when it doesn't go great. I will say this, Rob. I will say this, Rob. I did feel like there was a lack of communication going on in the past game. That was there a little bit. And Mark Sanchez did a really good job of pointing out two of the instances. And then the third one was the interception that had the illegal contact by Chris Harris, draw, uh, draw the penalty drawn by Juwan Jennings away from the play. And so the first one was Kittle in the red zone, right? Um, I think it was third and goal. Uh, they tried yep. to throw like a five-yard stick route um, to Kittle right on the pylon. And Garoppolo threw the ball inside, and and it felt like Kittle at that point wasn't ready to come out of his break, so the timing was off on that play. And Garoppolo seemed a little piff, pissed off. Yeah, he showed he did. a little bit more anger than he usually does, and him and Kittle immediately went to go talk about it. So that was one. Then there was a play, I think it was the last third down, that they really tried to convert in this game by throwing 
because then you had the final stop, which kind of put the nail in the coffin, um, which with the Hufanga forced fumble. And he threw a little, um, it was a little double move to Brandon Ayuk down the right sideline. Um, and it looked like he was expecting Ayuk to run the route a lot tighter to the sideline. So he threw the ball like right on top of the sideline and Ayuk was maybe two yards inside of it. And so it was kind of like a weird angle for Ayuk to make an attempt at catching the ball. And Paulson Debo ultimately ended up being able to recover and make the play on the ball. Mark Sanchez talked about how they didn't seem to have the same estimated point on where they expected that route to end up. And then the third one was the interception, right? It looked like he sailed the ball to Ray Ray McLeod. Luckily, I'm, I usually watch the film before the show um, in the morning because I wake up in the morning and do it. But it was four victory Mondays in a row. So I gave myself an extra hour to sleep in. And so I didn't watch it at all. But luckily, Rich Madrid posted the play. So I was able to catch it right before we came on here. And Ray Ray McLeod gets totally thrown off his route, right? Like you have to be more physical at the top of your route. You have to get to your spot. And he doesn't, which causes the ball to sail and Elante Taylor to pick it off. But the point is, these type of communication errors in terms of quarterback and receiver not being. That play with Jimmy. Uh Uh-huh. He drops back. He's not looking at Ray Ray. It wasn't his first read. Right. He turns to look at Ray Ray, and he throws the ball where he thinks Ray Ray is going to be. But doesn't he bear some responsibility? It was a clean pocket. Doesn't he bear some responsibility of like, okay, he's not where I think he's going to be. I need to adjust my throw. Uh, yes. Yes and no. Yes and no. I do think like at the end of the day, the quarterback is responsible for where the ball goes. Right. And so if the ball goes to the wrong team, like there is some responsibility for the quarterback, but at the same time, the way the timing works out, right. If he's going one to two, like he has a specific timing in terms of how his feet line up with where the ball needs to go. And if he's in that spot and he's ready to go, he's also expecting Ray Ray McLeod to be at that spot. So he's trying to put the ball with anticipation there. So I do think he does bear some responsibility. You're right. Um, Either way, Rob, I think there is a bigger question that, like you said, the defense, and I understand defensive communication is a little bit easier. That's why we see defenses usually play better in the beginning of the season because they don't need as much practice as offense, which is so much reliant on timing and precision and all these kinds of things. But there seemed to be a little bit of a sloppiness from the entire offense in terms of these little things with communication. Um, And I do think that our friend who posted that comment is right. Like he brings up a great point on what might have played into that. But at the same time, we do expect a team that's, you know, played together and had so much continuity and been through short weeks like this to be a little bit more on top of the details. And the only reason people bring up the details, um, Rob, with this football team all the time is because away from playing their division, uh, specifically the Rams, to be honest, over the last couple of years and away from the occasional game that they show out, like the Carolina game, we see too many of these games where they are just sloppy. And, you know, they're a really good football team. And I think there's just a little bit more consistency that people expect. Maybe that's a quarterback thing, though, because the only team that I see consistent week to week is the team that has Patrick Mahomes. And (laughs) to me, that's the best quarterback in NFL history. So, I mean, I'm not willing to say that, but I do think he's the best quarterback in the league. Nick Ellert says the pass was for Debo, not Ray Ray. I don't think so, Nick. And the reason is because if you listen to Jimmy Garoppolo after the game, he talked about that interception. Here's Jimmy. Shallow, dude knocked him off his route. 
I didn't, I didn't see it at the time, so I'm trying to talk to Ray Ray about it very calmly. And uh, <laughs> yeah, then I saw the flag, so then I kind of knew what was up. But um, yeah, showed off the wheels a little bit there, caught that DB. <laughs> All right, see you guys. Classic Jimmy Garoppolo, right? Give a sort of a weird explanation, make a joke, make everybody laugh, and then he leaves on the high note and he walks out. But yeah. I, I think from that answer, I don't think that pass was for Gibo. I think it was for Ray Ray. No, it was for Ray Ray. And he talked about it, right? I mean, he didn't put blame on Ray Ray because he's just got a great way of doing it, right? I went to go talk to him calmly. So it didn't seem like he's not saying it's Ray Ray's fault. He just said, we need to go have a conversation about it. But he basically said, yeah, Ray Ray got bumped off his route and he shouldn't get bumped off his route. Um, but that happens sometimes. Like, I don't want to hear from Jimmy conditions weren't perfect so i can't be expected to make a play that's my i agree rob i agree rob i actually think that play given the circumstances is not the play that we should be focusing on with garoppolo i thought the christian mccaffrey miss was one that was a little concerning he overthrew him by four yards rob and the guy had five yards of separation but that you know that is something that happens to everybody happens to mahomes happens to allen happens to everybody the difference is those other guys also make big plays later on. And Garoppolo had in the past, the past couple of games had been making some of those big plays. He didn't yesterday. Does it though, Rob? Yeah, just, it does. It I absolutely mean, five does. yards of separation. I mean, maybe not that exact amount of separation, but quarterbacks miss open guys okay, every yes. single game. Yes, I agree with that. I agree with that. I just feel like there's certain layups that you should expect your quarterback to hit and you're getting called out here by Chris watching on the Facebook page. He says, really Vish, the quarterback is partially responsible for where the ball ends up. <laughs> so I could take this comment in so many different ways. I'm just going to say that, you know, he agrees with me. Yeah. I, I'm. I, that's the insight I'm here to provide. <laughs> Riccardi, so I blame Jimmy more for just the interception, the lack of execution in the red zone. That, to me, goes on the quarterback. And I know some of those plays are runs. Oh, we just lost Vish. Um, but you're when you're the quarterback, you're responsible for the offensive output. And the facts are the facts. The 49ers scored 13 points. They need to score more than that. They have to score more than that. They need to be better. And I hope they will be better. But, you know, I, I don't want to wake up in the morning and see the article that we saw from Tim Kawakami today talking about, Oh, this is going to make 49er fans mad. But Jimmy Garoppolo is the best quarterback for the 49ers. We do this all the time after Jimmy Garoppolo wins, right? He wins the game no matter how he plays. It's Jimmy wins. Wins matter. And let's get a quote from a player saying Jimmy wins ball games for this particular article. It was George Kittle. He's always good for a couple of those every year. And it's the same article that we've been writing for five years about Jimmy Garoppolo. It's the same thing. But yet when he loses, when the team doesn't overcome his lack of production. We never get the reverse article, right? We never get the article that says, Jimmy's not good enough for this team. The 49ers need a higher ceiling quarterback. We don't see that side of it. So that's what bugs me as I welcome Vish back into the street. You got to get kicked out once every show, Vish. No, I, I can't believe it. We were on a roll too. I was just saying how I was just a little disappointed with Tim Kawakami and some of the coverage of Jimmy Garoppolo, because once again, this morning we got the Jimmy's the best quarterback for the 49ers. All Jimmy does is win complete with a quote from a 49ers player who says Jimmy wins ball games, man. But yet when the opposite happens, when they don't score, 
and the Niners don't win, we never get the article that says his ceiling's not high enough. They got to get another quarter. We don't get both sides of that. We only get one side when the Niners win. Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. Uh, I do think the athletics coverage of a certain quarterback of the San Francisco 49ers has always been a little bit that way, which I always, you know, I think a lot of these reporters, and I'll give my two cents on this, I think they're a lot more plugged in than people want to give them credit for. And the Niners beat doesn't break as many stories as maybe other beats. Any so stories. People think, not right, not so, as much. They don't break any stories. Any stories. Pe- so people think they're maybe not as well connected as other beats. And I would say that's very much not the case. And who they're connected with can be uh, pretty much found out with the way they cover the team. Uh, I'll leave it at that. And I think the athletic always makes it very clear um who it is that they talk to and have a little bit of insight with mm-hmm. by the way speaking of garoppolo he was not happy after the game with some of the hits that he was taking from the saints players he took a lot of shots i literally he was taking so many hits i started a section in my notes hits on jimmy garoppolo and i was tallying them as the game went along listen to garoppolo after the game talking about not only the hit that injured his knee but just everything that happened in the game you know, it is football, but uh, I mean, there's just you gotta be smart uh, as players look out for one another. I mean, there's there's no place for that. But no, I'm I'm, I'm all right, a little sore, but nothing bad. Did you have a few words for him, Jimmy? Did I? Yeah. Uh, not. I mean, he just he sprinted off the field. He didn't really say anything. I think he knew what it was, but it's just uh, yeah. I mean, as players, we got we gotta be smart for one another. Now I'm not gonna lie, I didn't think that the play where Jimmy got hurt was dirty. There were some shots to the head that didn't get called, but I didn't think that particular play, I I didn't even think twice when I saw it, to be honest with you. Yeah, it shouldn't even have been called roughing the passer. Uh, They talked about it on the broadcast. The quarterback is not afforded the the below-the-knee protection when he's outside of the pocket. Um, And Jimmy Garoppolo was very clearly outside of the pocket um, on that play. And I didn't even think it was particularly late. It was just the fact that he went low. Right. And, you know, it's funny because Garoppolo has taken a few licks um, yes. throughout his career on the 49ers. He really has. You could never question his ability to stand in there and take a hit. Um, and we've never seen him comment on anything like that. He's usually the guy that's very happy to talk about how he doesn't feel the game until he gets hit. And it makes him feel like he's part of the playing football and all of that. Right. And so I think those comments were definitely interesting. Um, the first two hits of the game that he took definitely could have been called roughing the passer. Um, there were, they were hit, they were high. Um, and maybe those were what he was referring to when he said there were other ones, but yeah, I guess, I guess Nick Bosa got him back with a very clear cheap shot on Taysom Hill. So I guess Nick Bosa had his back from that standpoint. I didn't think it was that bad. Uh, I mean, Rob, he, he, I felt like he was just rewarding himself for, he ran about, you know, 15 yards dead (laughs) sprint to catch him. And he just rewarded himself. The ball was out. It was half a second. He was pretty late and he just came in and knocked the crap out of Taysom Hill. He lowered his shoulder and whacked him. Um, but. Oh, sorry. I want to get to one more thing about Jimmy Uh Garoppolo, if I can. Uh, and I thought this was very interesting. The saints did an excellent job at cutting off Jimmy's favorite part of the field. 
which is of course the middle of the field. If you if you're watching the stream right now, you can see the Jimmy Garoppolo passing chart. Normally, all the green dots are in the hashes or pretty close to it. This case is that he only had three completions inside the hash marks. Yeah. The whole game, Vish. So teams are going to look at that. The Dolphins are going to look at that. The Buccaneers, all these teams coming up, and they're going to be like, we got to do what the Saints did. Look, they only scored 13 points, and Jimmy couldn't go to his favorite part of the field. Yeah, the Saints also have some good players in their secondary. Their corners are they're able to press them and, you know, play some man coverage, which, you know, not every team is going to have that personnel against the Niners uh, receivers to be able to do that consistently. So I'll, I'll give them that. But I also do think the one thing the Saints did as well as being able to take the middle of the field, they, they took away his first read a lot. Yep. Um, I, I like, again, I didn't watch the game on film in the morning, so I'm not a hundred percent sure, but just watching it on TV, it felt like Jimmy was always back foot, hit the ground, look around, look around, check it down, look around, look around, you know, check it down. And, it, yep. and if, and, and to Jimmy's credit, he didn't, I, I thought the broadcast gave him too much credit for this, but to his credit, he didn't, uh, force one and make the stupid mistake. He was contented kind of taking what the defense gave him for the most part. Um, but yeah, I thought the saints had a very, very good plan and seemed to be on top of their P's and Q's. And then not to mention the, um, pass rush of the saints, right? I mean, shy Tuttle's a good player. Cam Jordan is maybe a future hall of famer. Marcus Davenport's a hell of a player. There's a lot of good players. Contavia street, former 49er, uh, Jordan Elliott tweeted this morning. He led the saints with five pressures. He's a very good player too. So they have a very good defensive line, and their defensive line had some success getting pressure on Garoppolo as well. I mean, he had a couple of, I would say, somewhat lucky but somewhat great plays of not taking sacks where he was flipping it up to Elijah Mitchell and was landing perfectly to Elijah Mitchell. Um, But, yeah, to his credit, he didn't take those sacks, and he, for the most part, was checking the ball down. Yeah. EJ Pockets watching on Facebook. I have to get one of these every show. Rob, for a guy named Stats, you sure are oblivious to a very big one. Jimmy wins over and over, squirt. Yeah, the, the Fox ran the graphic. Did you see that Jimmy Garoppolo has the same record through 59 stars, yeah. including playoffs, as Steve Young and a better record than Joe Montana? Yeah, and then I saw and then I saw some comparisons to, you know, Steve Young's early playoff. <laughs> Uh, record and stats and some like four touchdown, four interceptions, two fumbles and how Jimmy Garoppolo has been for. And correct me if I'm wrong, Rob, because I wasn't alive then, but I think I have a pretty, pretty good grasp of 49ers in NFL history. Cause I, I researched it a lot. I, I really enjoy it, but did Steve Young not win an MVP Multiple in those first two years? MVPs. Multiple right. Well, he MVPs. won the second one in 94, right? But did he not, was he not the NFL MVP in what? 92. Uh, yeah, I believe he was. Yeah, and that was one of the first years, right? They went and lost to Dallas. Yep. Gosh, we're going to compare an, an MVP quarterback. Stupid. And EJ, wins are a team stat, man. Thank you, Rob. Your man put up 13 points. Thir- if you change nothing about Jimmy Garoppolo's performance and you don't have a number of coin flip plays go the 49ers way, what are we saying about Jimmy Garoppolo? Only put up 13 points. Couldn't get it done in the red zone. Couldn't scramble on fourth down to get in the end zone in the red zone. Like, you got to stop with this QB wins thing. Wins, Rob, I've always had a theory about the QB wins. To me, QB wins is a total way to market the game, right? 
you get the handsome quarterback, you know, typically, you know, you get him, you put him in front. He's the winner. He's the guy everybody wants to be. He's the guy everybody wants to follow. And you do that and you market him. <laughs> yeah. I think that's what it's all about. Like, sure, the quarterback definitely has the biggest contribution of any position player on the field on wins and losses. I agree with that, but it's still a team stat. There's so many variables that goes into it. It's about 53 guys working together. And I'm so sick of people citing wins and losses to (laughs) tell me why a quarterback is good or bad. Nick Ellert watching on the YouTube page. Please talk about the fourth down play and him attempting to scramble. I don't actually blame Jimmy Garoppolo for that. He had two options on that play. One was, I believe, Kittle in the flat. And one was Ayuk on a fade. Both were covered. He didn't have a ton of time to throw, and he tried to to make a play. He's yeah. he's not a scrambler, so like I'm not going to get on him for that. He did everything he could on that play, but I do love that Kyle went for it on fourth down, which he's starting to do a little more, Vish. <laughs> not a little bit more. He just went for it twice yesterday. And he right went about for it nowhere once. too. He went for it uh, once a couple of weeks ago, also against the Chargers. He went for it on fourth down too. I'm telling you, I'm. Oh my to God, it. Rob! I'm three times in two weeks. <laughs> It's more than it was in the past, man. I'm I'm wearing them down, baby. I'm going to keep doing it, Kyle. You're doing the right thing because look what happened, right? Look what happened. They didn't get it on fourth down, which is the scenario that all these 49er fans clutch their pearls at. What if you don't get it? Then what happened? And guess what? The Saints got the ball. 16-0 instead of 13-0. Right. Well, not only that, but the Saints got the ball. They did nothing. They punted. And then the 49ers got a touchdown. Because they only had to go 57 yards because yeah. they had they the Saints started so deep in their own territory. So it works out for you if your defense is as good as everybody thinks it is. So I yeah. hope Kyle sees that and he's like the light bulb goes off like, damn, man, maybe I can't afford to go for it more than I originally thought. Yeah. And two things. One, Ben Solek had a great tweet about the analytics element and all of this, right? Um, yesterday, three different teams went for two. Um, got it and won the game two. I know off the top of my head, I forgot who the third one was, or maybe it was just the two. It was Brandon Staley and the Chargers. Yep. They went for two at the end of the game. They won the game right then and there. And Doug Peterson and the Jaguars, biggest win of Trevor Lawrence's career. He played outstanding yesterday. Um, for the first time, he looked like the guy he was hyped up to be in. I understand those are some lofty expectations, but I didn't create that hype. You did. So uh, it's <laughs> not me. I, yeah, right. Not you. I, I Not you meaning... People of the world, why did you give him that hype? Right. And, but he played great, Um, and they went for two and got it. And when they get it and go for two, nobody wants to talk about, well, the analytics worked. But the, if they didn't get it immediately, oh, the analytics didn't work, these analytics guys. And then on this play, Rob, I thought you described it perfectly, right? They were running some sort of quick game. You can tell by the fact that he got the ball. He immediately had that little slide step. And he was ready to throw the ball. And he was yes. looking to throw the ball to the flat to Kittle. It was not there. I think Ayuk was the second read, like you mentioned. Shanahan said he was running a corner. I didn't see the play. I don't remember. Corner fade. He was something near the back pylon. He yeah. wasn't there. It was the right decision. He thought he had a lane. I'm glad he was decisive. He understood the play right. wasn't there. And he wasn't going to be happy feet. Oh, my God. What am I going to do next? He was decisive. He tried to run for it. It was a decent decision. Uh him lowering his shoulder from two yards away was a little bit weird. Like, <laughs> yeah. Jimmy, you got no chance there. That buddy. makes me nervous, Jim. Right, but he took a, he took a shot. But, yeah, uh, it was not a play that I think would was a bad play at all. It was one of those things where if it wasn't there, it wasn't there. It's fourth down. 
ideally you would have Jimmy Garoppolo in that situation. Just throw the ball to the back of the end zone and you live to see the next down. But that was fourth down. His best decision there was to run. And that's what he did. Yeah. Sometimes the defense's play works. It's not always like, oh, this, we needed a better play call or it wasn't executed. Like sometimes the defense executes too, but it was still the right call to go for it. And I thought they actually played when Shanahan said, you know, they're the best defense in the NFL when healthy. I don't agree with that. But I do think the Saints defense is a lot better than what they've statistically shown this year. Injuries have a lot to do with where they are in terms of the rankings. Getting Cam Jordan back yesterday was huge. So, you know, as much as we're going to sit here and harp on the 13 points and all of that, Robin, we've done that. There is an element to all of this that the Saints defense is also just hard. It's a hard defense to go against. It's a really good scheme. It's a really sound scheme. And they have a defensive line that when it's healthy, it can really make it hard for other teams to run the football first and foremost. I mean, when they have had a healthy defensive line over the last five years, them and Tampa Bay have been the two best run defenses in the NFL by far. Um, We know what they did to the Niners run game in 2019. They made it hard for them to run the ball. They were the number one run defense at the time in the NFL then. And so they had a good run defense. So yes, Rob, they got, let me ask you a question. What up? We always hear all the weapons they have, right. And have this great play caller and Kyle Shanahan. Shouldn't we expect the 49ers defense to be able to put up points more than one touchdown against even really good defenses? Is that an unfair expectation? Because sometimes I feel like people are like, oh, well, they're a good defense. And it's like, well, yes, they are. But you still should be able to score. If everybody's as great as we say, and I think that they are, then why can't we score three touchdowns against the good defense? And yesterday was the perfect reminder that despite having all this talent on offense, despite having you know played so much better on offense and being more exciting on offense ever since they got Christian McCaffrey and Debo has been healthy and all of that, they are still a team that's driven by their defense. Um, and they understand the fact that against certain offenses, it's going to be a grind for them. Um, Shanahan said that after the game that like we knew it was going to be tough. And because of all of that, they still look to their defense. Like this team is still... Comp playing complimentary football towards their defense and that and yesterday was a great reminder that no matter how much talent is on this offense and all of that their identity goes through their defense and that because i think the that's quarterback's the, not good enough yes that's the unspoken is, part of that which is the unspoken part of it right like when you have a team that plays through your defense it's typically because you don't have a quarterback that you can play through your offense every week. That's exactly what it is, Rob. And to be fair, because people are going to immediately look at it and say, you're criticizing Jimmy Garoppolo. Only four or five teams have the quarterback that you can consistently play through their offense. That is true. But at the same time, he is also not one of those four or five quarterbacks. (laughs) Both of those things are true. Yeah. I totally agree. But I would like to see the 49ers gain some consistency. My, My thing this week was I was hoping that they would the floor would be raised now with a few weeks of Christian McCaffrey under the belt that the the bad offensive games for the Niners would be 22 25 points a game because if they can raise it to that level then they're not going to lose very much at all part of the problem though and I'm seeing a lot of people ask about this Vish is injuries Christian McCaffrey banged up in this game Elijah Mitchell banged up in this game Tavante watching on the Facebook page says any updates on Elijah Mitchell's injury. Kyle Shanahan is supposed to give his day after game conference call. That's always when we find out what's up with injuries. That's supposed to be at 3.30 p.m. Pacific time. Now, he always bumps it up. It's always scheduled for 3.30. He always bumps it up. Uh, but they usually don't 
broadcast the conference call live, so you'll have to no. keep an eye on Twitter. Um, but Grant posted on his YouTube page later if you want to go watch. Well, there you go. Uh, by then, you should have all the information, but right. we'll get updates on him. And I didn't like this Vish yesterday. Kyle Shanahan was talking about uh, Jordan Mason and running out the clock, which the offense does deserve credit for at the end of that game. But Jimmy threw in there, oh, I you know, hope Elijah will get more news on Elijah. And I hope Christian is okay, too. And that scared me a little because he's so important to this offense. But I will say, Jordan Mason looked really good yesterday. And, and the Saints were throwing the kitchen sink at the Niners at the end of that game to stop them from getting first downs. And Jordan Mason was still gaining five yards a carry. Yeah, he looked really good, right? He looked so physical, so tough. And then he protected the football, which was great. Yep. Um, Jordan Mason's kind of a funky player to talk about, right? Because he's already taken the hearts of 49ers fans. They already <laughs> love Jordan Mason. And I've been having to talk about him probably a lot more than you would ever talk about a fourth string undrafted running back. Um, and I always say that it, clearly he's not a guy that seems to be in their trust tree so far. Um. And Shanahan was very complimentary of him in the postgame, but I also thought yesterday he ran the football as a case of necessity rather than them giving him carries. Yes. Um, and Shanahan was also very complimentary of Ty Davis Price, saying that the only reason Jordan Mason's up ahead of him is because of special the special teams, teams element. Um, and so I, the thing with Mason is as good as he looked, and I thought he did look very good yesterday, I'm not even sure that, you know, in the case that, Mitchell is out McCaffrey see so Mitchell worries me because they ruled him out so quickly after we found out he got that yeah and that that's exactly what happened week one um as well and he turned out to be out for so long and Mitchell looked really good in the game actually yesterday uh he looked better than McCaffrey again he had the one run where he had an inside zone play it wasn't there he bounced it out in the low red zone that was a great run that ultimately ended them with the fourth and goal play we talked about, the one thing we didn't talk about with the fourth and goal play is why was he in the shotgun on fourth and goal from the two? At least have some sort of threat of that you're going to run the football. But, okay, fine, whatever. Don't need um, to rehash that. But the point is, Elijah Mitchell, and then he had the touchdown run with kind of the holding call that was, you know, I understand why they – we talked about this. We both understand why they called it because he had his arms fully extended. But it was a very, very kind of BS call. Shanahan's reaction for a guy that rarely gets animated on the he sidelines was, was very funny because he freaked. He freaked out. Yep. Um, and that was a great play call against a great look, and Elijah Mitchell showed incredible speed uh, to score on that play. So definitely losing him is going to be tough, but I do think that there's a level of trust in Ty Davis Price and Jordan Mason, and Jordan Mason did look good. Um, and then McCaffrey, the one thing I wanted to say is they had him play after it was reported that, you know, he was having issues with his left leg. Yep. So that one made me a little bit uh, maybe – Maybe he just played on adrenaline, but it made me as a fan just when I see what patterns happen with these injuries, like maybe he's a little bit more okay. And then the other element to it is they said when they traded for him that his taking care of his body in terms of recovery and all of these things are at a Nick Bosa level. Um, and if it's at a Nick Bosa level, then I have maybe a little bit more confidence that if he's dealing with something he can get himself right and ready to go to play on his Yeah, team. but then why did he miss so much time in the last three years? I'm just going with what they said, Rob. Yeah, that's why That's why you can't go by what they said. Because what they said is 
bogus. Or even if it's true, it doesn't matter if he still misses time. Jason Tillman on the Facebook page says, Kyle Shanahan's going to say McCaffrey's questionable, then all of a sudden on game day, he won't play against the Dolphins probably. It'd be smart to do that, frankly, because the Niners offense changes considerably if McCaffrey is out and can't go. But I think Jordan Mason and Ty Davis Price, like, I, I kind of interested to see what they can do now. I'm you not... know what's going to happen, right? If Christian McCaffrey and uh, Elijah Mitchell are out, what? Tevin oh, that people Coleman's are going to come back. Yeah, he's going to be, be elevated from the practice squad, yep. and he's going to play the most snaps on yeah. Sunday against the Dolphins. That would be funny, but I—that's what Kyle does. He likes his guys. Talk about the trust tree. That's a big deal for him. Um, but I. I I want Elijah Mitchell and Christian McCaffrey to be healthy, please. But I would be kind of interested to see if it was a combo of Mason and Ty Davis Price. Like, I want to see what they are because we haven't gotten to unwrap that present yet. Yeah. And actually, both of those guys are a little bit different, right? McCaffrey brings this, like, polished um, running style where he wins with quickness and quick processing um, and his ability to make people miss. And then his power comes from his leverage because he runs really, really low. Mitchell wins with speed and toughness because he runs really physically. He runs Mm -hmm. really hard. And then he has speed. Jordan Mason actually wins with quick feet and size, which is a little bit different. It's a little bit different of an element. And then Ty Davis price wins with explosion um, and power. Uh, He's really low built low to the ground. He's got really thick legs. He's really quick and he's a really physical runner. So they bring an element that the other two guys don't have. Like the run game will be more downhill and more physical with these two guys. I mean, Ty Davis Price, we saw the little he got to play in the beginning of the year. The guy is ready to hit anything and everything. He's like the Dre Greenlaw of the offense, where if you're moving, Ty Davis Price is running into you. And then Jordan Mason just is very physical runner because of how big he is. And then the thing that makes him a little bit unique is that he's got amazing feet for a guy his size. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I'm with you. I would be interested to see it. And Chris Riccardi is probably right. If they're out, there's a good chance we'll see a lot more Debo Samuel in the backfield, which seems like something Kyle Shanahan didn't want to do this year. Cause the moment they traded for Christian McCaffrey, he told every single person that he's talked to in the broadcast, in the media, that they want Debo to be where they give him the ball to create an explosive play and to create yep. a surprise element to their offense. Not we're going to give Debo the ball so he can run it eight times a game. One more thing I want to get to before we wrap up, and it's kind of looking ahead a little bit to my, the Miami Dolphin game. Um, if you might have missed it, Sunday morning it came out. Raheem Moster and Jeff Wilson Jr. throwing some shade at the Niners. Raheem talking about the Niners pressuring guys to come back from injury too soon, which I totally believe they do, just like pretty much every single NFL right. team does. But then they also talked about how they were going to run wild on the Niners next week, and I thought that was pretty hilarious. Debo Samuel responded, Raheem, be real with yourself. And I just saw this on Twitter. Vish, as I try to type up a quick graphic, Charles Amenehu saw it and he tweeted, someone thinking they're going to run crazy on our defense is funny. And in case you were curious, the best defense against the run in the National Football League. San Francisco 49ers. San Francisco 49ers. But the Niners have seen this stuff clearly. They're aware of it. It's a thing now. That game next week is not going to play be played like a regular okay. season game. It's going to be played like a playoff game. So so I'll say this. I think the Niners' run defense is a little overrated. I don't think it's as good as the number How one How could it be? 
how could it be overrated? They've played a couple of run games that just aren't very good, and they've padded their stats by getting early leads against them. The Rams twice. The Rams have never had a chance at running the ball against the 49ers ever since Todd Gurley's knees gave out. Um, Arizona has no run game when Kyler Murray doesn't play. Kyler Murray is everything to their run game. And so that that was another game that I thought, you know, they had a real good chance. And then Carolina had no chance at running the ball early in the season. Ever since Steve Wilkes has taken over, they have really um, been good at running the ball with Dante Foreman and Chuba Hubbard. Actually, in fact, a lot better than they were with Christian McCaffrey um, in the backfield. But they they were pretty hopeless with how they were setting up their run game for even with Christian McCaffrey at the beginning of the season. And the one good run game they played, Atlanta and now, the reason I think it's overrated is because they don't have Eric Armstead and Javon Kinlaw. Well, like, hold I think on. Everybody guys, was injured against Atlanta. But that's the point, right? If Eric Armstead and Javon Kinlaw don't play against Miami, I do think they're going to be missing something in, in the run game. Now, if you're telling me Armstead is going to play, then yeah, I do think they have the number one run defense in the NFL because I think Armstead is one of the most dominant football players against the run in the NFL. But I think that all the stuff you said applies to every team that's ever been number one against the run, right? They probably have played against some teams that weren't good running the ball. Right. They give up 87 yard. No, I'm sorry. 79 and a half yards per yeah. game. You don't do that just because no, you no, happen to be facing about... teams that aren't good at running the ball. I Absolutely, Rob. I agree. But I'm talking about in terms of how they're going to succeed against Miami's run game specifically, which I think is actually pretty good. Mike McDaniel is pretty creative on how he sets it up. In fact, I think he's the most creative run game coordinator that's come from the Shanahan tree besides Shanahan himself. More creative yeah, I would than agree. McVay, more creative than LaFleur. And those guys are pretty smart in the run game as well. And so he's quite creative in terms of how he sets it up. And so I think that it's a little bit of a tough matchup for them against that run game. And I said the same thing against Atlanta when you don't have Javon Kinlaw and Eric Armstead, Armstead specifically, but yeah, in terms, but in terms of their defense overall and this entire conversation, um, yeah, they're not going to run crazy. They're probably going to have some success running the ball, but they're not going to run crazy. This defense is still really freaking good. Stand back. They're even going to have some success. Okay. Stand back for the Dolphins' 27th-rated rushing attack, everybody. Like, are you you're shaking in your boots because they're going to face Jeff Wilson Jr., the guy that we it's, just spent half the show talking about how he's mid? So it's improved. He's it's mid, Vish. It's improved since Jeff Wilson got there. To be fair, their run game also, the improvement has been padded stats by the fact that they got to go against the Lions. Horrible, horrible run defense. And Raheem Mostert and Jeff Wilson had some stats. Okay, so... I will go both ways there, okay? I'll go both ways there. But here's the thing, Rob. Fence sitter. That's that's what I do, Rob. <laughs> that's killing me, Vish. Come on, man. Alvin Kamara runs seven carries for 13 yards in a 13-0 game. He didn't do diddly poo. Is that a team that can't run the ball? What, what was the excuse that time for the Niners? No, there's no excuse for that. What they did yesterday... And the Saints have a very good run game with Taysom Hill, with Alvin Kamara. Their offensive line is very overwhelming. And Taysom Hill sucked yesterday, too. Yeah. What they did yesterday, absolutely, Rob. I cannot even say anything about yesterday. That was not overrated. That was an unbelievable performance against a very good running football team. I'm just saying I have a little bit of nerves, Rob, anytime we're talking about the run, run defense, as long as Eric Armstead isn't on the field. Because I think that – you know, at the end of the day, they can be had a little bit without number 91 because of 
it's more about the impact he has rather than, you know, what the other guys aren't doing. I want to get to this. <laughs> Joe Dirt, apparently David Spade is watching on the YouTube page, says Mike McDaniels knows how to beat Kyle and Jimmy. How do we know that? Based on what? Right. Based on what? And if you're going to say that, okay, but I could say Kyle Shanahan knows how to beat Mike McDaniel. So, like, I I don't get that. And I know that Mike McDaniel is getting a lot of flowers. I get it. But you know what? Let's just see how it plays out. I don't think the Dolphins are going to be putting up 30 next week. In fact, the Niners have the bigger advantage, right? Because they have more familiarity with the Dolphins scheme than the Dolphins defense has with the Niners scheme, right? The Dolphins have been playing that same defense um, since Brian Flores took over in 2019. You know, they play a lot of man. They play a lot of zero coverage. They bring a lot of pressure. Now, that's changed a little bit ever since they got Bradley Chubb. They've been a little more contented being a rush for and play coverage behind a defense. But that's their style. Um, They don't – it's not like they've been going up against the Niners – offense or the Niners style offense like every week since then uh the AFC East nobody runs the Niners offense until the Jets solid got hired and then the Dolphins started running it but so the Niners defense in fact the last five years with the same exact scheme has been practicing against Shanahan and McDaniel so they have a little more familiarity so I I would say yeah I'm not I'm I'm not just going to assume that McDaniel has all the secrets six losses against his prior subordinates so big pop watching on the YouTube page what is Shanahan's record against his subordinates I think it's pretty good though isn't it yeah I think he he has six losses in the regular season five to McVay and one to LaFleur no Shanahan doesn't have five he has five losses to McVay no yeah 2017 two losses 2018 two losses and or no, counting the playoff game. No, three losses. Sorry, three losses. Yeah, I was going to say losses, three losses. Excuse me. Yeah. Yeah. I added an he's extra kicked year. McVay's ass. Yeah. 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 He has, so he has four losses total three to McVay and then one to LaFleur. Trying to think who else is considered Shanahan's subordinate. The, the Jets. He beat the Jets. Didn't he? Yeah, beat but Salah? Salah, he hasn't beat the Jets with Salah there. Oh, he hasn't. Salah wasn't there yet. Okay. Um, yeah. But, yeah, Kyle's generally pretty good. I still can't believe you're down on the 49ers rush defense. That's insane. Um, I, you're just a hater, Vish. I am a hater. I am a hater. I, I'm sorry. Do I think the Niners run defense? I'd feel a little more comfortable about it if Eric Armstead and Javon Kinlow were on the field. Well, yeah, yes. they're better, but it's not like they've been struggling without it. And, again, I'm not shaking in my boots to face Jeff Wilson and Raheem Mostert. By the way, we don't even know if those guys are going to play because they're both banged up right now. So, you know, Miami is like a lot of Dolphin fans and the the Dolphins are very confident right now. Yes, yes. But here's the difference between yesterday and against Miami. So yesterday, anytime Taysom Hill came in, and I actually really enjoy Mark Sanchez's commentary as a side note. I I enjoy his very mellow, calming tone, and I think he actually brings a lot of insight. (laughs) Um, And so he pointed this out as well. He pointed out that anytime Taysom Hill was in, Hufanga was basically on the line of scrimmage, playing really low to the line of scrimmage. So they brought the eighth man into the box, and that was something they were doing often to stop the Saints' run game because they weren't really scared. They weren't really scared of the Saints throwing the ball over the top. The thing that makes Miami a little bit tougher is both safeties have to play high on just about any down because they have the two fastest players in football lined up on either side of each other. And so that's the one difference when you're trying to defend Miami in the run game. Like that's where like people are giving McDaniel, I think too much credit. It's not that he isn't a very smart coach and they have, they don't have good schematics. He does, but a lot of those schematics are predicated on the fact that it's 
Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle scare the hell out of every defense they play. And they, and they shift how coverage is played to do play certain defenses. And because of that, it changes so much in terms of how their numbers work in the past game and all of that. And so because of that, that's where I, I think McDaniel gets a little too much credit. Um, I think Tua gets a little too much credit too, because those two guys are really where their offense starts and ends for me. I think those are the two biggest stars. This is a, offense. a weird thing to say. I almost think the Niners game plan should be to make Tua have to throw it deep because that's the weakest part of his game. And yeah, I get it. Like Tyree kill was very fast and you might get burned. Um, but to me, that's the heart. Like I, you always want the, the other team to have yeah. to do things. They're not very good at. I know Waddle is fast and Tyree kill is fast. I don't know. I might be willing to gamble a little bit. <laughs> That's scary. It's scary because the thing with Tyree Kill that's very underrated to and Waddle, in fact, but this is Tyree Kill to the max, is he's unbelievable at adjusting to the ball. Yep. And he's got like a 45-inch vertical, and he's he goes up and snatches that thing at the catch point. And there's a lot of bad Tua deep balls that turn into 60-yard gains because Tyree Kill is the best receiver in the NFL. And maybe, you know what? Maybe I'll revise that later. Just no, Rob, yeah, don't say head. that. Don't I don't say, know. I have bad memories from the Dolphins coming to San Francisco and throwing the ball. Deep <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, that's true. The Brian Allen game. Will we see, last thing before we wrap up, will we see the third and 15 play from the Super Bowl shown? Tyree Kill catches a deep ball. Will yeah. they fire up? Yes. I, I think they will too, yeah. right? Yes. What are the what are the what's the over under on the um connection though between Shanahan and McDaniel? being mentioned oh, and the God. tie-in of the coaching staff six really six yeah i think the, i think they're gonna pre-game they're gonna mention it dolphins receivers will have some catches they'll show wes welker on the sideline right they'll, right a creative run from mike mcdaniel they'll show the pre-game handshake they'll show the yeah. post-game handshake it's gonna be absurd i think it'll actually be really interesting um, to just observe their dynamic because I think their dynamic is very different from the dynamic between him, LaFleur, and him and McVeigh. Him and LaFleur and McVeigh had really that stint in Washington, but they all kind of developed their own careers away from each other as well and established something away from each other. Him and Mike McDaniel have basically been together every year they've been in football, besides yeah. when Shanahan was the quality control for Gruden. And Mike McDaniel was interning at Denver. And then one year, Mike McDaniel, I think, worked in the AFL um, as a running backs coach while Shanahan was in Houston. So it's going to be a lot of fun. The Dolphins talk is going to ramp up constantly this week. I will continue to remind people it's the least important game in the next five for the 49ers. It is, it is the least. Would it be nice to win? Yes. If they lose. That's the one you can live with. You want to beat Tampa Bay. Right. You want to beat Seattle. You want to beat Washington. That's what you should focus on. And and the, it's funny because I think that Washington game now looks a lot more difficult yep. um, than it should be. And I actually think that Washington game, if we're talking about fronts alone, it's going to be another one like this Saints team that it's going to be a grinded out game for this offense because big Jonathan Allen, Deron Payne, Montez Sweat, they're very difficult to block. And we're seeing right in the NFL, like if you have a good defensive line, because offensive lines are so bad, <laughs> you can basically make it impossible for an offense to move the ball. So we will find out. We appreciate everybody, all your questions, your comments, please. If you haven't subscribed to the Niners Nation YouTube page, please, please do that. We do this every Monday. 
10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern time. We do the instant reaction shows after the game here every single week. Vish, thank you very much, sir. I, I appreciate it. Even though you hate it on the Niners a little bit, I still appreciate it. R- Rob, I, there was one of us who had a comment pulled up telling us that we are the biggest hater. And for a guy named Stats, you're you're forgetting the biggest stat. Um so I just would like to point that out, Rob, that despite the fact that one of us is wearing a Victory Monday shirt, yeah, one of I us am. is completely positive the entire time. Shout uh, out, Amit. You are still viewed as the official hater of the Under Review podcast with Stats and Vish. Look, so. I can't control the comments. I can't control what goes up on the screen. Oh, wait. You do control what goes up <laughs> on the screen. <laughs> That's going to do it, everybody. Have a good Victory Monday. <laughs>